0: Hello and welcome to the Loft Church weekly podcast in Amarillo, Texas. Each week we seek to challenge, encourage, equip, and empower you to become faithful followers of Jesus Christ through gospel-centered worship. Thanks for joining us and we hope that you are blessed by today's message from Pastor Matt Johnson as he takes us through the book of Genesis, first five verse. All right, if you remember last week, uh, what was happening when uh, Pastor Rick was talking that Abram and Lot had been blessed so much that monetarily they had all kinds of stuff. They had animals, they had riches, and so they had gotten so much they really couldn't function in the same area together. Their people were fighting amongst each other and so they separated. After that, we get right into this text that has all these kings. There's nine kings, and they're going to have this battle, right? And so let me just kind of summarize what's going on, and we're going to pull out two different points today instead of walking through all those names, because I think those names today, if I'm doing them for you, going to be a major distraction for not the payoff that we really are needing to get. And so there's uh, four kings that are in the line of Ham. You might remember him. The five kings are in the line of Shem. The four kings have been dominating over the five kings. And when we talk about kings, we might think of these massive nations. These are city states. But still, there's power uh, in in the region amongst these kings. And so the five kings have been dominated maybe by taxation and suppression in some way. After 12 years, they decide they're going to rebel. In your scripture, you might see a 13th year and then a 14th year take place. Remember that things took a while to happen because they weren't all on a group text, right? They weren't going like, no, I think we'll just rebel this week. Didn't happen. Took time to communicate, to get things together. And so they had been under this suppression for now about 14 years when they go to battle and the four kings whoop, or the five kings. They dominate them. They take their things, they take their people, and one of the people that was taken, you heard in the reading, was Lot, which is Abram's nephew. Abram's gonna hear about it, so he gets together, his 318 fighting men, and they go, track them down, defeat them, they get Lot, they get the other people back, and the possessions. And with that said, I'm gonna pick up here in verse 17. It says, after Abram returned from defeating that king, And the kings aligned with him. The king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Sheba. That is the king's valley. Verse 18, it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God most high, and he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram, by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hand." You may have not ever heard the name Melchizedek. I hope that when you leave today that you'll remember who he is. He's a character that just shows up briefly. We don't know a lot of history and background, but we know some stuff. and it's an interesting person in fact there's a lot of mystery to him let me let me tell you a little story really the only story i got for you today so if you like stories you got to take this one you know we've been living with my dad for 11 months and we moved out two weeks ago he let us go and so yeah (laughs) yeah and so uh even our house isn't all the way ready he was able to live there which praise god that's good but I've been holding on to a story for a while that my wife didn't let me tell you guys until we had moved out. See, she's always really good, really good sport, but she's probably wise. Um, see, because it has to do with my dad. And she didn't want my dad to change anything while we were there, because he's so gracious and things. And so, uh, here you go. So he's hearing it for the first time, too. He's over there. <laughs> Kinda awkward. Okay, so, um, Middle of August, Elisa starts back to school, and I guess she's been going to school for a week or two, and she comes in from school one day, and she says, hey, Matt, I gotta tell you something. Like, what's up? She says, at night, I make my lunch and I put it in the refrigerator. But when I get up in the morning, it's gone. Somebody's (laughs) eating her lunch all night. And uh, immediately we look at each other and we start laughing because it's no mystery. (laughs) My dad is a notorious eater. He is, he eats like three dinners every day. He eats one like four, seven, and apparently about 11. (laughs) Right? (laughs) And he was eating her lunch. And so Elisa's like, May he's been gracious to us. If he wants my lunch, he can have it. But so she started hiding her lunch, like behind stuff. You didn't even know, right? She was hiding it like, where's the food at? (laughs) Yeah. And so it was no mystery to us. We knew what happened. My dad ate it. (laughs) There's mystery here. See that connection? (laughs) Right? Right? (laughs) There is super amount of mystery right here with this guy. Let me tell you about him. This guy, his name is Melchizedek. It's a hard name to say. It means king of righteousness. Okay, it's a good one. He is the king of Salem, which is short for Jerusalem. Salem means king of peace. He was a a priest before there were priests. Years before there were priests. When he's bringing a snack, he's not bringing Elisa's lunch. (laughs) Just thought of that by the way, it just came out. (laughs) He's bringing bread and wine, we call that communion. It's amazing these things that are about this guy and if we're not careful, we are just be looking at that, going, is this Jesus? And that's always the debate. Is this Jesus in the Old Testament? Now, if you read your scriptures, what you'll find is, is that we see Jesus in the Old Testament. And sometimes Jesus, we see him as a type and a shadow. But there are other times that it's called a Christophany where it's actually Jesus in the scripture. And the question is, is this one of those? And if you're just sampling it and you look at it, you go, man, that's gotta be Jesus, Right? I don't think it is. I think it's a type and shadow, and in a few months, I'll tell you kind of why. But I want us to know some more things about Melchizedek. In Hebrews, and if you want to know more about the guy, Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews, which we don't know who that is, mystery there too, right? That writer liked to talk about Melchizedek. And so he talks about him over the course of three chapters, and he's trying to make a point, and that'll be at the end of our message. We'll, We'll hit those home. But in Hebrews chapter seven, verse three, it says, without father or mother, without genealogy, without beginning of days or end of life, resembling the son of God, he remains a priest forever. You think he's talking about Jesus? He's talking about Melchizedek. Isn't that interesting where it says, hey, there's, there's no like beginning or ending and, and there's no f- mother or father, it's gotta be Jesus. Remember what's happening in Hebrews. You gotta make sure there's context when you read stuff, It's trying to make a point about, there is uh, someone that's greater and superior to their system and their ways, and we'll get to the, more of that in a bit. That's not the only place in scripture we see Melchizedek talk about. In Psalm 110, which is a messianic psalm, that means it's a psalm that's, that's pointing toward the Messiah. In verse four, it says, "The Lord has sworn and will not change His mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Talking about Jesus will be in that order. Continue on, just go back to Hebrews, chapter five or six. In the same way, Jesus does not take on himself the glory of becoming a high priest. But God said to him, you are my son. Today I have have become your father. And he says, in another place, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. He's quoting, the author of Hebrews is quoting Psalm 110. It doesn't stop there. Back in Hebrews chapter 7, it continues on in verse 11. It says, if perfection could have been attained through the Levitical priesthood, And indeed, the law given to people established that priesthood. Why was there still a need for another priest to come? They're talking about Jesus. It says one in the order of Melchizedek, not in the order of Aaron. And so what is all that? When it's talking about the order of Melchizedek, there's two different things that that can mean one of them is is that the messiah jesus would come into order like the in a in lineage like a line of him like secession of him another one would be if you see, i've heard i've seen translations of this that it doesn't say order it says in the pattern of melchizedek and if you look at melchizedek and who he is where he's a priest and he's worshiping god most high and there's only one god and bread and wine and all these things it looks like jesus jesus came in that pattern Not in the pattern of the Aaronic priests, which are the Levitical priests that we see in the Old Testament. And uh, the author of Hebrews is trying to distinguish the difference between the two. He's not trying to say that Melchizedek was Jesus. And the reason why I say that, back in Hebrews chapter 7, I know this is kind of a mess today, by the way. In Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3, remember it says, resembling the Son of God. It doesn't say he was the son of God. It says he resembled him. Make sure we catch that. There was a purpose and a reason for Melchizedek, and he was to be pointing and be a type, a picture of Jesus in the Old Testament. With that said, I just thought I'd throw this in there because I thought it was interesting. As I was studying, I learned what the Mormons think of Melchizedek. And some of you guys may have a a background in that belief system. The Mormons believe that the Melchizedek priesthood paused right there in Genesis. And it was picked up later on with a certain man. And his name was Joseph Smith. Just saying. Kind of strange, isn't it? All right, let's continue on. I'm going to go back to Melchizedek uh, here in just a bit. But here's another thing that's real interesting. The next verse of scripture, it says, then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Abram was blessed by Melchizedek, and then he tithed to him. I asked Braz if he would do Speak Life, and he said, yeah, he said, I got a couple of things I talk about. And he mentioned one was a tithe, and I said, do that one, because I'm going to talk about tithe today. It's kind of a rarity if you're in this church, you're going, yeah, we never talk about this. We're gonna talk about it right now. I love this text. I love how it represents God's heart. But you know what I don't like? I don't like being a part of a church that continually talks about the tithe. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying it rubs me the wrong way. So if you've ever gone to a church and they're constantly saying, hey, tithe, 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 tithe. It comes across as, hey, we need your money. And I can't stand it. But on the other side of it, I don't want to pastor a church that walks with people that are disobedient because we don't ever talk about the tithe. And so let's just talk about it. Brad said it really well. The tithe isn't about some monetary thing. God doesn't need your money. He's the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. You think he needs our dollars? No, it's always a heart issue. And I've told the same stories for years whenever I talk about it. I've got one that I'm gonna uh, tell you that it's, uh, it's probably a, a one I've used uh, just a couple of times so maybe you haven't heard it. But when I started uh, following the Lord when I was 32 years old and I surrendered my life to Jesus, you know what I didn't do? I still didn't surrender my finances to Jesus. When I started dating Elisa, we were 16 or 17 years old. Elisa had been working a job probably since she was about 14. And what I noticed about her, when we would go to church, she would write out a tithe check. And I was like, that's stupid. <laughs> I mean, she didn't have any money. I mean, she was just giving it over to the church. I didn't make any sense to me. Then what happened is I married her. <laughs> and she started writing checks out of our bank account. And guess what I thought and said... That's stupid. Why would you do that? When I was 32 and I surrendered my life to the Lord, I still was grappling with the tithe. I didn't understand just when I looked at it from my perspective, I really wanted it to land a certain way and when you want it to land somewhere, you'll get there. I really wanted it to land that I didn't have to give over the money to the church. <laughs> I didn't want to. And so I'm thinking like, why do we not have to do some of these other things, but we still have to do that? That's just the church trying to pay their bills. Until one day I came across that scripture right there. And it meant a lot to me. You see what it reminded me was that the word tithe, this is the first time it's mentioned in scripture. And so the tithe was around before the law, during the law, and I believe the the tithe is around after the law. Now some of you guys may argue and wanna debate about it, but you can't debate about this. God's heart is that we give him everything. Every area of our life, Whether it's our time, our our energy, our mind, our relationships, including our finances. You know, the last thing that people give over to the Lord is their money. They'll give you their time a lot faster than they will their money. But it's amazing what happens when you do. Now, here's my one story just to remind us that not everybody's going to see it that way. My kids have been really blessed. They've been able to go to a private school because Elisa teaches there. If she doesn't teach there, we can't afford to go. But they did, and uh, Zane uh, graduated from Ascension, and Bentley's a freshman there, and it's been a blessing. But I remember one time when Zane was, uh, I don't know, he was probably about a seventh or eighth grader. He was hanging out with all his friends, and all his, a lot of his friends are, are from affluent families, and they live in some of the nicest areas in the area. Very nice places. And so we'd come home and go, Man, I just don't know why we don't get to live in a place over there. And I'm I'm like, Well, we don't have that kind of money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so one day, I guess it was after January, and we got the tithing report, and we'd opened it up and we'd set it on the counter, and Zane was there, probably eating some snacks or at least his lunch, I don't know. And so, uh, (laughs) just throwing it in there. And he kind of glanced at that piece of paper, right? he just saw it and, he, and he, something hit him. His face got real red and he said this, is this what we give to the church? I said, yeah. He says, you kidding me? I mean, literally he was angry, Are you kidding me? We could be living, why would you do that to us, dad? Can you see why not everybody would get it? I want you to know that giving to the Lord is a blessing, not a curse. Of all the things in my life, I don't think I'm going to look back and regret any of that. (laughs) If anything, if I'm going to regret it, maybe I'll regret that I didn't trust him earlier or maybe even give more. So Abraham Abraham tithes to him. I love that. He's blessed and then he gives a blessing. It reminds me of a picture of what we do too. The king of righteousness has blessed us. In turn, we bless back. Just go to verse 21. It says, the king of Sodom said to Abram, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. And Abram could have kept everything. I mean, he's the one that went out and won the war, won the battle. If I can get the music up, that would be awesome. We don't have keys today, so pray for their fingers. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, he said, "'With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of his sandal, so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, Danar, Eskol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. Now, I love how Abram handles that. He's like, man, I could take it all, but I'm taking nothing. He just gives it back. But with that said, I just want to close and just kind of finish up talking about this Melchizedek guy. I find him so interesting. If you do like a study on his name and, and just about him, it's very intriguing. Some people think that Melchizedek was an angel. Some people think he was Jesus. And others think he was a type and shadow. And that's what I believe. But I know he had a great purpose. And so um, with that said, if you guys want to stand, uh, I'm just going to tell you one little perspective and then... And then we're going to close. When I think about Melchizedek um, and how he just appears, and in Hebrews it says he had no beginning or ending or had no mother or father, I don't think that's the point. I think the point that the writer of Hebrews is trying to say and the reason why we don't get all the details in Genesis is because if you tell the details, he looks a lot less like Jesus. And the point was that Melchizedek would look like Jesus. And he would be a type of Jesus. It isn't that he just appeared, he had a a mother and a father. We just don't have record of it. We don't have any genealogy and we don't know when he started or when he ended, but he did. He had a purpose. And so when I was studying it this week, I kept coming back to the same, same things. And the same thing was that reminding myself that the same God that wrote Genesis is the same God that wrote Hebrews. You ever thought about that? I mean, we have different authors and names on them, but the same Holy Spirit inspires us. So God's writing it all. And so can you just go with me for a second? Think about, the writer of hebrews and and trying to make a point trying to make a point that there is a, a a greater priest that there is a greater way of living that their system that they had was not superior to jesus and think of that writer there just thinking like man how can i explain this in a way that they may get it and the spirit of god brings up melchizedek so let's talk about him. Melchizedek, he was the king of righteousness, the the king of peace, the king of Jerusalem. He was the one that would bring wine and bread. He was a priest before there were priests. But when the writer of Hebrews wants to make his point, what he does is he talks about how Jesus is greater than the Aaronic priest. But he says, but he's in the order of Melchizedek. Saying, hey, he's better than the the way that you've been functioning. He's better than the priesthood that you've been worshiping. He looks different. And because he had that reference, he could go back and say, look, this is what it looks like. It is a pattern of what Jesus came in that was foretold about. Melchizedek's important. In Hebrews, the writer's just trying to say that Jesus is better. Did you know that uh there's some great people in the Bible? Some great ones. Did you know there's a better Adam? There's a better Abel. There's a better Noah. A better Abraham. There's a better Isaac. There's a better Jacob, a better Moses. There's a better Joshua, there's a better Daniel, there's a better Elijah, there's a better David, there's a better Aaron, there's a better Samson, there's a better Jonah, there's a better Joseph, and yes, there's a better Melchizedek. And his name is Jesus. And the stories in the Bible aren't just just pointing, they are all about Jesus. About he's better than everything, he's superior than any system that we can put in place. And it's always about him. And so um, we hear about Melchizedek and how he's better and how Jesus is better though. How do we apply that to our life as we walk out into a broken world? What I was thinking this week as I was walking around here, I remember about three weeks ago, we had that basket with all the cards in it. And some of you guys remember really vulnerable and you said what was keeping you back from following the Lord and the way that he's called you to. And we all did it. I mean, hundreds of people came up here and dropped cards in the basket. And in that list of things that we saw, remember there was grief and loss and addiction and, and sexual sin and all kinds of things. And as I was studying this week and the theme in my head is Jesus is better. Man, I just want you to see this, whatever you put on that card that day, maybe we should have made another one that says, Jesus is better, and you fill in the blank. But I want you to know that Jesus is better than your sin. Jesus is better than your addiction. He's better than sex, he's better than drugs, he's better than it all. He's better than your grief and your loss and your idolatry and whatever it is that you're holding on to. Jesus is better. And we're supposed to know that. (laughs) Church, it's one thing for us to say it, but it's another thing to live a life that reflects that. He's better. Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for your love and grace. Interesting text, God. Talking about the tithe and before that, talking about Melchizedek. A mysterious man, but nah, he's really not. He looks a lot like Jesus. Oh, my prayers that by the work of your spirit that we look a lot more like Jesus too. The way that we love, the way we have compassion, the way that we trust you, the way we give over every area of our life. God, you're the same God that wrote it all. we thank you for the cross and the empty tomb. We thank you for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Well, if you enjoyed this message, there's a couple things we'd love you to do. Go to your favorite podcast catcher and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Doing that helps get the word out. And don't forget, you can follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at www.theloft.church. Thanks again for joining us on The Loft Church Weekly Podcast. Remember, it's not about you and me. It's about a Savior named Jesus. Go make Him famous.